Well, again, welcome. So glad that you are, are here with us. My name is Nathan. I'm the campus pastor here at the Olathe Campus of Christ Community. It's great to be together. Uh, why don't we pray and ask for God's help as we uh, look at this uh, strange and yet uh, beautiful uh, passage of Scripture. Let's ask for God's help. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you are the one who gathers us together. You are the one, uh, through your Spirit, who gives gifts to your church. And God enables us to do the work that you've called us to do here in this place. And so God, I pray that you give us ears to hear. Uh, would, would you make our hearts eager for change? Um, pray that you would do that in us. And God, even, even as we gather this weekend, uh, this holiday weekend, God, we are mindful of the freedom that we have and we rejoice that we can gather together without shame and without fear. And we thank you for those who have, who have paid the price to make that possible for us. And yet at the same time, God, we remember those uh, who have no such freedom, uh, brothers and sisters um, in you across the world, who would love to be able to gather um, in freedom, who would love to be able to, to congregate together, to be able to sing praises together, to, to, to celebrate with one another, to talk openly about you, but cannot. God, we pray for them. We pray that you'd be with them. And God, for those who are imprisoned, those who are, who are being mistreated, God, I pray that you would especially draw close to them and help us, your church here, um, remember them and pray for them and love them. And so, God, we, we pray that you would be with us now as we come around these words. In Christ's name, amen. Well, there are few things worse than finding yourself in a place you just don't, don't belong, right? And we've all been there at various times, right? We've all experienced that. We know what it's like. You know, men, every one of us here, for example, at some point or another, you've walked into the women's restroom, Right? You've done it. You can admit it. We're, we're all friends, right? And, and women, don't judge. You've, you've walked into ours, and, and you know that sort of, that feeling, right? You look around, and it's like, it's familiar, right? It, it seems like it's normal, and yet something's different, and that sinking feeling that you just don't quite belong. And, and the best is actually when you, when you watch somebody else do this, right? Have you seen this? I, oh, man, it's just great, isn't it? Because you watch on their face that the look of confusion move quickly into fear uh, and then embarrassment and then oftentimes like an attempt to save face, you know, like they somehow did it on purpose, you know, because that'd make it so much better, right? Uh, but we, we know that feeling, don't we, of not quite belonging. I, I think the, the band Radiohead sums it up quite nicely. Love this. They say, I wish I was special. You're so very special, but I'm a creep. I'm a weirdo. What am I doing here? I don't belong here. The reason that song is so great is because even though I have no idea what it is they're talking about, we know exactly what it is they're talking about, don't we? We, we know that feeling. We know what that's, that's like, that the sense that we, we just don't quite fit. And some of you feel that way at work or at school. Something's just, it's not quite what you wish it could be. You wish you fit a little bit better. Maybe some of you feel that in your family, right? And you, and you wonder, you know, Am I really as strange as they are, right? The answer is yes, you are, right? That's part of being a family, and that's, that's hard for us, isn't it? Or, or maybe, maybe you feel that way um, in front of the mirror. You know, I, this, this is probably a little weird, I get this, but I've caught myself recently a few times lingering just like an extra second or two in the mirror, uh, not, not out of vanity, right? Uh, but simply because I'm like, who, who is this guy? Like, I noticed, rink, you know, oh, anyway. You ever just wonder that, right? Like, I mean, you just feel, right? Sometimes we just don't quite belong. And I'm guessing that there are more than a few of us who feel that way right now, right? I mean, here we are, church. Uh, if, if you're not a Christian, maybe you feel that way, but you, you're here anyway. Or maybe you're just really new to church. Maybe it's been a really long time since you've been to church. And you look around and like, everybody else kind of seems to know what's going on. 
you know, they feel comfortable. I mean, most of us have forgotten how weird all of this can be sometimes, right? And so maybe you just feel like you don't, you don't quite fit. Or maybe, maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but you just, you feel like something's different about you, right? And, and you just wonder, maybe you look around and think, well, everybody else is, is whatever, but, but I'm whatever. And it's almost made worse in the church, isn't it? Because I think deep down we recognize that if there's any place we shouldn't feel that, it's here, and yet we can so easily feel alone, lost in the midst of a crowd, can't we? And just wonder, how do I, how do I fit? And sometimes we wonder if it's even worth it. And then we read these words of Paul, they're brilliant in their simplicity, and yet they're so profound. And he says to those there at the church in Corinth, We've been, we've been studying this, this church and this letter for, for several months together, right? So some of you are, are familiar with that. But he says to them, in the midst of all of their individualism, all of their mess, and, and believe me, uh, I mean, we could think church is messy, right? And some of us have experienced some of the messes in church, but I'm guessing we've not, any of us, experienced anything quite as, as disastrous as what is happening there in that local church. Sure, they feel out of place in Corinth. Of course, they're tempted to just give it all up, right? All these factions, all these fighting, and these, these different people who are showing off, and others who are hiding away in their insecurity, mess after mess after mess, we have seen. And yet Paul says to them and to us, you belong. You belong. So yes, we've been studying 1 Corinthians for quite some time. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, follow along with us if you like to. We're in, in chapter 12. There's only 16 chapters, so if you're wondering when we're ever going to finish, we're, you, know, you can kind of see the end a little bit from here. So we're, we're making progress. But in, in 1 Corinthians 12, and last week we began kind of in chapter 12, this kind of new discussion for Paul, right? He's talking about the spiritual gifts, uh, these supernatural abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to those who believe to be able to, to serve him. And don't get hung up on the word supernatural. It's not, you know, we're not become superheroes or something like that. But it's, it's something that God has, has given to his people that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a gift or, or gifts that enable you to serve others, to serve him ultimately, and, and to do so for, for, his, for his glory and for, for his name. And so um, in the midst of all of this, right, he addresses the church in Corinth because they're, again, they're showing off, they're performing, They've kind of developed this class system of who's awesome and who's not. And, and so there's some who are, who are showing off and flamboyant and all of these things, and they think they're great, and they're kind of in charge. And then there's this other group, right, who's like everybody else, who just feels insecure, right? They don't have the same gifts, and they don't know where they fit, and they keep getting pushed aside by this more powerful, more, more spiritual type, right? Because what they think there in, in that church is that the flashier you are, the more important you are, the more spiritual you must be. And so they're fighting. And so it's in this context. You know, last week we said that, yes, you have the Spirit if you're a Christian. Um, the Spirit gives good gifts, but your gifts are not for you, right? They're not about you. Uh, they are to you, but they're not for you, and they're not about you. And, and so we've got we've to begin there with that foundation that Paul laid for us last week. And so it's in this context, right, division, strife, all these arguments that we get to these really interesting words, because Paul says here that, you know, really, if you want to understand what the church ought to look like, how we're different, how we're similar, how we work together. Uh, you can learn a lot, Paul is saying, by looking at the human body. That there in a, in a body where it's, it's so different, so complex, in many ways so mysterious, even 2,000 years later, still mysterious, and yet functions as one. 
And Paul is saying here that we can, we can learn three things from the body, from this body metaphor for the church. First, that you belong here. Second, you belong together. And finally, that you belong to him. And in case you've missed kind of the main point here, it's that you belong and, and I realize, I've, I've listened to enough sermons to know that when uh, the person up front says you, somehow our brains automatically translate into them, right? Uh, but I mean you, right? You who are sitting here, you, you belong. And so, Paul begins, you belong here. In a local church, Mess and all. I mean, remember, they're arguing over who's most important. They've got all these hierarchies and divisions. And so it's in that context, in in chapter 12, verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and he's talking about body parts, right? That's the the language there. Um, And it's not like church membership or something like that. Body body parts. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So what Paul is saying there, I mean, you see the the repetition of the word one, right, over and over and over, re-emphasizing their unity. But he's saying at the moment of conversion, which symbolically, that's baptism, right? That's the symbol of that, that moment of what happens. And he's saying that no matter who you are in that moment, it doesn't matter, right? And the biggest categories for them are Jew or Greek, slave or free. I mean, you can't get, in that world, you couldn't get any more drastic than that. And we could add to that, right? Whatever it is that divides us, that makes us different, that makes us sort of separate from one another, it doesn't matter. Once you give your life to Jesus, you have given your life to his people. By very nature, to convert is to belong. It's to drink of this one same spirit. And because we all share the same spirit, we're together now like it or not, right? And I hope, I hope this doesn't sound self-serving. I, I know probably what this sounds like, at least a little bit, that, to hear a pastor say this, right? Um, and, and I probably wouldn't trust me either if I were you. I, I get that. And so some of you come with, with great skepticism. Of course, of course a pastor is going to say good things about a, the church. But the reality is, according to Paul here, if you are a follower of Jesus... Being tethered to a local community of believers, a church, is simply not an option. Sure, it's a mess. I mean, look at Corinth. Of course, it's, it's a mess. And, it, and frankly, it may be inconvenient. Uh, there are times when it, it feels just weird and awkward. And, and sometimes, yes, it feels, it feels pointless, doesn't it, sometimes? I should, I should be in sales, shouldn't I, Right? Come to church. Sometimes it's the worst. I, I know, right? I, I see it. I, I know our inadequacies. I know the many ways that we fall short. And so it's not uncommon to hear somebody say, you know what? I, I, I like Jesus. In fact, maybe I, I love Jesus, but this church, I just can't do church anymore. You know, I, 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 I get the whole Jesus thing, and I, I, can, I can get my mind around that, but this whole community of people, why? I just, I just can't do it anymore as if there's a choice, as if they've been drinking from another spirit or baptized in another river. You can't love Jesus and hate his wife. It just doesn't work. 
Now, I realize most of us probably wouldn't go that far. I mean, you are here after all, right? I mean, maybe some of you feel that, but you've, you've at least showed up or somebody has sort of dragged you here or however it is, you're, you're here. And so maybe, maybe you wouldn't go quite as, as far as that. But some of you, you're just kind of a notorious sort of church hopper, you know? You just kind of go from place to place to place to place. And I'm not saying there aren't good reasons to leave a church. Of course there are. But if you look back over your track record and you've got a year here and two years over there and three years there and four years over here and two years back here, if, that, if that's been your track record, and, and whatever it is, the moment people get just a little bit too close, maybe you just get restless or maybe they do something to offend you or you have a, a relational conflict somewhere and it's, you know what, I'm done. How long do you plan to stay here? Or others, others of us, maybe, maybe that's not you at all. Maybe you will stick, but you're just going to kind of do this the whole time, right? Just sort of, you know, keep everybody out a little bit of a distance. You, you kind of, you're there, but you don't want to be there, there, right? You, you don't want to invest in, in relationships or community. You're not going to go with us. You're with us, but you're not really with us. And yet Paul is saying you belong here. And if not at Christ's community, that's okay. There's lots of good churches. But in a local church, committed for the long haul. I mean, Paul, he's about to show us how ridiculous, comical it is to, to, try, to, to try and say otherwise. I mean, he, I love how he goes into this metaphor because he just goes on and on and on. It's like, Paul, we get it, right? This metaphor, it's, it's so ludicrous, isn't it? What it? Look what he says here in verse, verse 15. I mean, imagine a scenario where the foots should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Uh, two weeks ago, I had to have a um, handful of minor medical procedures, nothing, nothing particularly serious, uh, a hereditary thing, but I had to have uh, quite a few veins removed from both of my legs. It's fun, right? Um, lots of them, actually. And, you know, I, I could feel the whole thing. They didn't put me under or anything like that. Uh, no pain, right? They took care of that problem. But I could feel everything. Like every tug, every pull, every snip. I mean, literally, as people are pulling stuff out of my body, I'm feeling, I had no idea how emotionally attached I was to these little guys, quite honestly. <laughs> right? I mean, the whole time, I'm just trying to find a happy place, find a happy place. You know, as, you know, pull after pull and cut after cut. I mean, I took some pictures, actually, during the procedure. Uh, I've, got, I've got a great one of it. I mean, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> some of you were like, oh, come on! And no, no, Kelly said I couldn't. So, uh, no picture. Find me afterwards, and I will hook you up, right? Uh, but I, I mean, I, I literally saw my veins laying out on a table, I know, I've crossed the line, haven't I? It's gross. Some of you hate me right now. This might be one of those reasons for some of you worth leaving a church, right? It's disgusting. I know. That's the point. I mean, when you, when you come across, right, a body part not attached to the body, it's disgusting. I mean, it's instantly like you, you know, okay, something is not right in this scenario. It disturbs us. It, it's shocking. It's appalling, and that is what it's like when somebody who says, yes, I follow Jesus, but I don't want to be a part of the body. 
I don't, I don't need that. It's, just, it's not for me. I'll do my own thing. That's, that's where the metaphor takes us. So is church a place you go or, or a place you belong? I mean, it's an opportunity to belong for, for all of us, right? I mean, no matter who you are or what you've done, that's what, what Paul's point has been throughout all of Corinthians, that because of the gospel, every wall has been torn down, every opportunity, because Jesus has opened that up through his own death and resurrection on our behalf, that we, we now can belong. But is that true of you? Is that your experience? I'm not, I'm not trying to lay, lay guilt. I mean, that's not my job. I mean, it, it, is, it is a good thing to belong, isn't it? So do you? Do you show up like, you know, as a priority? Do you talk to people? Do you help? You know, as we've talked about, using, using your gift, uh, helping people, you know, with meet a need somewhere in somebody's, somebody's life, uh, giving financially, all of those things. Do you, do you have friends here? Or are you at least, like, trying to have friends here? Are you in a community group? How do you talk about your church? Do you, do you invite others to, to come and check? How committed, how committed are you? Like, for example, when we disappoint you, because we will, sorry, and when we do something you don't like, because we will, are you going to stay or are you going to run? What will it be? Yeah, but come on, Nathan. I, I belong to the big C church, Right? The, the global church that's not bound by, by time or space or location or, or by, by a mere building. And, I, and I, I get all that, and yet to say that I belong there, and so I don't, I don't need this lesser thing, this smaller thing. I don't need the little C church, the local expression. That's like saying I belong to the institution of marriage, but I'm just not going to live with my spouse. It just doesn't make any sense, right? It, it doesn't work that way. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. Paul has no category for that. Yes, the broader church matters. But Paul is writing to a local group of gathered believers in a specific place and time. This is where we live. Whether we like it or not, we are people bound by space and time, aren't we? And so yes, I know church is messy and I, I see more of its mess than most of us, right? But it's also a place of great beauty. It's a place where the messes can be redeemed, a place where all kinds of people, young, old, rich, poor, people with kids and no kids, married, single, different races, different backgrounds, all of it, different education, all of it, that we can gather together because of this guy named Jesus. The place where we belong, you belong here. And we belong together that we actually need each other. I mean, this is, this is where kind of the gifts part comes into it. Um, where I'm weak, you're strong. Where you're weak, I'm strong. That's, that's the idea of this body, right? That we complement each other. It's, it's a good thing that we're, not, that we're not all the same. And so in verse, verse 17, as Paul continues the metaphor, let me see here. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, if everybody was the same, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. So, for example, it's, it's really good that we're not all a bunch of hands, right? That we're not, that we're not all just a bunch of, of feet, right? 
And to even sort of point out how ridiculous this is, I want to thank Dwight Schrute. Let's, let's watch here. Why? 20 minutes a day, Jim. That's all it takes. 20 minutes a day, all feet, no hands, and I'll have the pedidexterity of a chimp, and you'll be sitting there like an idiot. I'm sorry, Pam. Allow me to write you an apology letter. You don't have to do that. D. E. A. Oh. Next, please. A, dear. Thank you, Hans. Nothing else in the universe can do what you do. Don't worry about it. Dwight, it's okay. You were wrong. It's so hot. Well, A for effort, right? It's ridiculous, right? I mean, and we, we see that and we know that. And honestly, I think that's exactly what Paul is saying. Even, even what Jim says there, right? Thank you, hands. Nothing else in the universe can do what you do. I mean, and thank you, eyes. Thank you, ears. Thank you, feet. That every, every part is different. I mean, Paul says, right, in verse, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And what's so important here, I mean, where Paul is really taking this and spends the next several verses trying to unpack is this whole idea of, of the weaker parts, right? Or the less, less honorable body parts. And what, what he's getting at there is that because it's like, like the Corinthians, uh, we all want to be important, right? Uh, we all want to, I mean, maybe you don't like the visibility, but we want to be esteemed. We want to be well thought of, right? We want to at least consider ourselves to, to truly matter. We put different definitions on, on what that, that actually means. And so for us, we live in a celebrity culture, and we assume that the people that we see the most, they must be the most important, right? Uh, they, they, they've got the most influence, the most, the most say in everything, and so we can kind of, you know, focus there and kind of ignore, ignore the rest. And so we elevate certain people, and we minimize the rest, and the rest is most of us, right? Behind the scenes, hidden, doing other things, maybe things that are completely unnoticed, that so easily get dismissed as unimportant. But Paul is saying, no, that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to say that. And so for some of us, you might begin to think, you know, you, you look at others, and man, they're doing this, and this person can do this, and they've got this going on, and we begin to think, well, what, what value do I really bring? Am I, am I needed? Do, do people really need me? I mean, and we either begin to kind of go in two directions here. We either go to the one extreme where we say, well, unless it's important by my definition, by my culture's definition, or unless, unless it's like super satisfying or fun or something like that, then I, you know, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to do it, right? Or we go to the other extreme and we use the word just over and over. If I just set up chairs, I just make coffee, I just hold babies, I just whatever. And what Paul is saying here is that to say I just about anything in relation to serving others completely misses what God is doing. We're a body. You may not see the kidneys. Most of us probably don't even know how the kidneys function, right? You still can't survive without them. 
I mean, there they are in the background, right? Doing whatever it is kidneys do, right? But we need them to live. You can't see the lungs. Paul said, does that make it any less valuable? Would the lips rather be an eye? I mean, just, Paul's like, it's just, the question doesn't even make sense, right? Our body parts aren't in competition with one another. They need each other. They work together as, as one. I mean, somebody, you know, somebody even has to be the colon, right? It's the way it is. You know? And you know who you are, right? Don't you? I mean, you do. The rest of us do anyway. Um, your body is one. And everything belongs, everything belongs together. And you know, the, the, the clearest example that I thought of as I was writing this, I just, I couldn't help but thinking about the team that we have here as a staff. And I'm going to brag for a second. Um, I, feel like, I feel like I can, because uh, I feel like I've had so little to do with this, but God has assembled just an incredible team here at this church to partner together and lead together. Man, I'm amazed by it. I mean, so for example, with, with our, our kids, we've got uh, Jennifer and Sarah uh, and um, Haley and Nicole, right, all working together. And I mean, we have, like, the greatest children's ministry team in the history of children's ministry teams. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced of that, seriously. I, I truly am. Uh, they're all different. Really, really different. Like, even a little bit weird different, right? Uh, but, they're, but good different. Or, or Dr. Chris, right, who's going to hate me uh, later on when he's in, in here at the 11 o'clock, realizing that I'm pointing out, right, that he has his doctorate in youth ministries, our, our pastor to students, that, that he, he's great with kids and he's brilliant at it. Or, or Sarah, right, who does everything behind the scenes and loves it. Uh, so much so that, you, you know, we get credit for all this. She's the reason we seem to have at least a few things, like, down. Like, you know, checked off the list. She's the one who's getting things done. Or even Patrick. And, I mean, Patrick's on sabbatical. You know, so he's kind of a jerk a little bit. Uh, we love him, right, still, okay. Um, I mean, his leadership, his, his musical ability... I mean, honestly, our team is very, very, each of us, very, very different from one another. I mean, you ought to just stick your head in our office sometime during the week. It gets, it gets a little bit crazy in there sometimes. We're all very different. There's not a team I'd rather work with. And I love these people. I mean, for me, if I were to go to Patrick and say, hey, you know what, why don't you preach the, the next sermon? I mean, he would murder me in my sleep, right? That is not him. And if he asked me to, to lead worship sometime, every one of you would rightfully leave the church, right? It just would not work, but that's okay. We don't care. It doesn't matter. Because uh, we work together, right? We love each other. We're, we're, not, we're not trying to show off with one another, perform in front of another. We're not afraid of our insecurities with one another. We function as one, at least, you know, most of the time, right? And what I love is that that's not just what we see for those of us who are on staff. That's what I see everywhere in, in this place. With all of our volunteers, all of our leaders, people serving, giving of the time. That Yes, we all do different things, and yet it, it's beautiful like a body, isn't it? The way it functions, serve one another, complement each other, strategically different, but all to accomplish the same goal. Big tasks, small tasks, visible ones, and invisible. And here's what, here's what Paul says about that. Verse 24, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division of the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And I love this, verse 26, if one body part suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Friends, as a church, right, that's, if this is your place, this is, this, this is for us, right? We fail together and we succeed together, period. We need each other like lungs need a trachea, like veins need a heart. And so let me ask, who do you need and who needs you? 
And I, I kind of hate that question, at least the, the first part of it, because I have the kind of personality that I, I hate that I need anything. But I, I hate it. I hate asking for help. I hate admitting where I'm weak. I just, I, it's, it's, a, it's a big fault of mine. I, I try to hide those things, and it causes all kinds of problems. But there's no getting around this, not if we're a body. Who do you need? But let's, let's even just say for the sake of argument that maybe you are, okay? Maybe, just maybe, you're the one person on the planet who actually doesn't need anybody. Okay, so you're the, you're the dismembered hand, right, crawling around on the, on the carpet, and you're okay with that. Let's, let's just say, right, that you're, that's you. But people need you, right? I mean, even if you could possibly get away with that, we still need you. You offer something to the community that we, we cannot do without. This is why last week we said it's so important for you to find your gift and to use it, whether it's flashy and exciting or entirely behind the scenes and unnoticed. And the reality is most gifts will be used behind the scenes, right? That's, that's what our body does, isn't it? Most of it we don't know about, we don't see. And yet Paul calls us to find our gifts and to use them. To do that, remember we said three things. Let me just review those from last week really quick. Uh, you can go back and listen if you weren't here, but three things, right? Look out, look in, and look around real fast. Look out at the needs of the community. You've got to begin there. Don't begin with yourself. Look at what's needed. Second, look in. Uh, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? What, what do you see? Take the assessment, right, that we, that we sent to you. What are you good at? And third, look around to see how people respond. Uh, what are people affirming in you? What, what are you doing in such a way that, that it's making a difference, right? You belong. You belong here. We belong together, and we belong to him. And this last point, I mean, this is the one that makes all the difference, isn't it? Because it's his body, right, that we're talking about. And, and there's only one head on this body, and it's not me, it's not you, right? And honestly, one of the things I love about Christ Community Church is that we're not driven by any one leader, right, across all of our campuses or even at, at each of our individual campuses. That's just not who we are. We don't have this, like, grand vision that some person is sort of leading us to. We just, that's not, that's not us. And I love that because I think it's so much healthier because as a church, right, Tom could leave as our senior pastor, I could leave as our campus pastor, here, and Christ Community would flourish, be fine because we're, we're a healthy body. Jesus is the head, and it's his. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God is appointed in the church, and, and then he lists all these different kinds of gifts, right? We talked about those last week. We're not going to get back into that again this morning just for time. Um, but he's just emphasizing over and over again, we're not the same, and thank God for it. It's a, it's a good thing. Whatever you contribute, it's praise God for that. And this is why arrogance and insecurity simply have no choice. You are part of his body. And if you think about it, I mean, that means so what, what part you are, right? Who cares if I'm a toenail? I'm his, right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the best toenail or whatever that I can possibly be because I don't belong to myself. I, I belong to, to someone else. I'm a part of something greater than, than, than my own abilities, my own desires, my own thing, whatever that thing may be. And so whatever your gift is, right, maybe it's lesser to, in your mind, right? Maybe it's not as upfront. Maybe it's always behind the scenes, right? Maybe it's not even quite as fun or doesn't get the, the applause that so many others often get. You're a part of Jesus, isn't that enough, right? Oh, I just, I just change diapers. I just enter data. I just keep things tidy enough with the just. You're part of him. And that is true here at church. That's true in your home, whatever that looks like for you. 
It's the same at, at work and at school. All the places in which God has equipped you, all the spheres of influence that God has placed around you. And frankly, this is also Paul's point. Who cares if you're awesome? And so what? People want to be you. Who really cares? He's, he's the one who gets the credit. It's, it's his body anyway. And so one more question. This is the hardest one for me. This is the one I've been wrestling with. Last one. Are you okay with less if he gets more? Are you okay with less if he gets more? Less credit, less attention, less, maybe less time, less money maybe, less applause, lesser tasks, things that aren't as fun or as easy or as satisfying. Are you okay with less if he's the one who keeps getting more? Because the alternative is destroying Corinth, isn't it? I mean, it's just ripping this church apart, right? Outsiders looking in. We'll see this when we get to chapter 14. They're looking in, and they're like, if this is Jesus, I want nothing to do with it, right? Because they're just such a mess. Nobody, nobody wants anything to do with them. And Paul's going to remind them next week in chapter 13. That's the, the famous chapter on love, what the real gift really is, right? The one that we really pursue, the one that we desire. Our goal isn't to be amazing. Our goal is to be loving, to have that characterize us. And so let me just add one simple next step this week. Because if Paul is right here, then there's nothing that's insignificant. Ever. Anywhere. Right? Nothing. Everything matters. And so if that's, if that's true, do something unnoticed for someone else this week. And yet, yes, continue to find out what you're gifted at, right? Pursue those things and, and, and try to put your gifts to work. Absolutely. And yet do something for someone this week that you probably won't get any credit for. Simply out of love totally hidden, completely invisible. And your physical body does that for you all the time, doesn't it? And when's the last time you've recognized your liver, right, or said thank you? It doesn't work that way. Do something hidden. Or maybe, maybe if that's not you, maybe do something that you've always just felt was beneath you. But it was just, you know, it's not, that's just not for me, right? Something you just were convinced you wouldn't enjoy. Do it simply out of love, knowing that you might get less but that he will get more. I mean, we all want to be great, don't we? I mean, every one of us. Maybe in different ways. We want to feel like we've accomplished something. We want, we want maybe, maybe we don't want to be the upfront person, but we want people to look at us and, and respect us, right? Admire us. That's, that's part of a, a normal thing that lives within us. We want to feel important. And yet, have you ever thanked God for making you average? Have you done that? And I know, right? Your mom always says you're special, right? And I'm not going to argue with her this close to Mother's Day, but the reality is most of, us, most of us are average, aren't we? That's what average means, right? Average intelligence, average gifts, average abilities, average life. That's, that's most of us. Have you thanked God for making you average? I started doing that about a year ago. Probably need to do it more often, honestly. And, and by saying that, I'm not... I'm not making light of the way that God's, God has gifted me, nor am I saying that his work here is average. What God is doing in this place is anything but average, quite honestly. Nor am I saying that, you know, mediocre is okay, right? I've given up, and we can all just kind of slide into whatever passes. That's not it at all. And yet it's okay to be average. You know, as a pastor, I get to go to different conferences and, you know, read different books and, you know, listen to podcasts and all these things by, by preachers who are, who are anything but average, quite honestly, right? amazing, kind of the celebrity sort of people that they are. And I benefit from their teaching. They're so good, so gifted. And yet so often when I'm sitting there or listening, I just, 
got to fight this envy that crawls up within me. Like, why can't I be an I? Why can't I, why can't I be that? I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, right? There's always somebody better. Always somebody with more gifts, more capabilities, right? Any, any of that. And yet if it's his body we're a part of, these insecurities that we all face, they just don't matter anymore. It's his body we get to be a part of. And what did Jesus do with his body? Like, you know, the first time around. Like he offered it up. He gave his life. He, he became less so that we could be given more. He was crucified so that we could receive wholeness and forgiveness and life. And he walked out of that grave alive. Do you really think he expects anything less from us? from this body. Friends, you belong. We belong here. We belong together. And we belong to him. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful that you have created this mysterious thing. God, this strange collection of people gathered around one central idea that our God has come, that he has paid the ultimate debt, has reconciled us to himself, and has offered us life, a life that begins now fresh and whole and goes on forever. And so I gotta, I pray that that would be what defines us, what fuels us, what motivates us, what knits us together whether we're involved in big things or small things, whether, whether we're talking about here at church or in our homes or in our schools or in our places of work, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would serve you and serve you only. And God, that together we would see people here in this place and in our communities, in our world, worshiping and loving Jesus. And God, I pray that you begin that work in me. God, begin that work in each of us. Begin it now, we ask. In Christ's name, amen.